This is Lee Ridley. Uh, I was lucky enough to achieve two promotions with Scunford United, but nothing compares to the joy I experience when listening to the Aryan Hour podcast. Just a heads up, this podcast contains strong language. You know the good stuff. If this isn't for you, turn off now. For the rest of you, now fucking enjoy the podcast. Hey, fans, welcome to another edition of the Iron Hour podcast. I'm your host, Barrett, and I'm joined by my usual panel, Marco, Max Bell, and Iron Army, or as otherwise known to those who know him more affectionately, Gareth. Pleased to see you, gents. How are you doing, Max? Up the iron. Yeah, good to see you too, Barrett, mate. Yeah, there's no need to lie so early on, but thank you very much all the same. <laughs> Marco, how are you getting on today? Good. I'm wet. I've just run home from a pool, and I'm ready for a podcast. Ready for the pod. And Gareth, how are you doing this evening? I'm good. I feel a bit ill, but I'm good. I'm here. Yeah. I'm alive. Well, that's always a good place to start, you know. It is. The, the it fact is. that you haven't perished is is good news for us all. Um, well, if, but... if he's doing this podcast then, we'd be getting better views. Like, Indeed. Think of, think of the content. Some would, yeah, some would, some would say it might improve our content, but uh, <laughs> and I'm good, I'm good as well. Thanks for asking, guys. So let's kick off then with the oh, go on, go on, Max. I can see you wanting to chomp away there and get your two pennies worth in, which is most unlike you. No, nope. right, let's crack on to the actual football stuff then. So, you know, we're buoyed kind of by the news last week that the the confirmation has come through now that the the, the football club with, you know, the aid of, of the local council and government, have now purchased Glanford Park from Peter Swan. So the details we have at this time, which have been communicated officially by the club, is that the fee is in a re- around the region of £3 million. Now, £2.5 million has been supplemented, has been provided by the town funds, the government's town funds scheme, okay? And half a million has come from what we believe is made up of, of the shareholders of the board. So kind of, you know, it's a substantial amount of money there, isn't it, uh, Max, that's come from this town fund? Yeah, massively so. I, I, I think, you know, the fact that we were sort of able to get to that £3 million figure in the end is is a real testament to all the hard work that's gone on behind the scenes. Um, you know, massive, massive credit to Michelle and the whole team. Um it's it's such a relief, you know. If if I never have to think about Peter Swan ever again, then it will be a life well lived. Um, in terms of the town's funds, I, I think the ACV um, of what's known as an asset of community value, um, the Iron Trust, um, getting it declared as that was absolutely instrumental. Um, it, it it gives you a much surer legal footing when demonstrating that this is. Something that you become eligible for, um, yeah, for finance financial support. So yeah, it's um, it, it's looking like we're not going to be homeless anytime soon, which is such a massive relief for every iron fan, I'm sure. Absolutely, and I, I will just touch on on the point of the ACV in just a moment, and we'll, we'll come back to that because there's some really important topics, you know, that we need to discuss before we get moving. I just kind of wanted to move the conversation towards you, Marco, because I know you listened to the interview last week um, that Michelle did on on Humberside, and she said, didn't she, in that interview, that we've gone from a position of you know just weeks ago where Pierce Swan was effectively laughing at her, you know, in, in the very, in the early days of negotiations at the thought that she would be able to get 
to get this three million pounds, you know, get the deal over the line. How quickly has it moved with regards to your expectations? Yeah, I mean, like like everyone else, we all heard that interview on Humberside, um, and it's sort of like when she said that it was hard not to get annoyed um, because. I mean, realistically, I mean, I don't think I've ever sort of had the same vision as Swan, but if you were Swan, you wouldn't think a club in as much crisis as we, ha- we were would muster up that money. And we, we wouldn't really have a chance at all of finding that unless we did have the help that we've received. Uh, obviously, the town funds and everything, making an ACG. Um, but yeah, hearing that interview, uh, is it ACG? Have I got that wrong? A- ACV, close. ACV, yeah, yeah. Near enough. Close. But yeah, so hearing that interview, yeah, it was to hear where we've been and where we've actually got to in such a short, short space of time. Um, I think we owe a great amount of debt. I know she mentioned the statement, a few names tonight, um, but to Michelle herself for getting us to where we are now. And like Max said, we're not going to be homeless anytime soon. Touch wood. Um, so yeah, it's fantastic. And, and Gareth, how important do you think getting this over the line was for the, the long-term future of this club? Do you, do you, do you, you know, because we've obviously had conversations, haven't we? Many, mm-hmm. many of personal conversation over the past couple of months. Do you feel that, you know, basically it could have been terminal for the club if, if we hadn't have secured the future of the ground? I don't know if it would have been terminal as such, but I think it would have been a lot harder for us as a club and as a fan yeah. base. Because obviously it's um, finding somewhere else to play, somewhere else to call home even though it won't be home as such. And I just feel that for the town, for the fans, for the community, keep saying it's a big thing. But yeah, if we'd have had to move out of town, because obviously there was talk of Gainsborough back in the day and playing there, that would have been a big hit on the finances. Like fans wouldn't have been able to travel. And um, yeah, we just took a big hit. So to get it all secured and fairly quickly as well, in all fairness, I think it's just a massive thing for everybody who's been involved with it. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so Max, you know, you, you touched on the ACV there, as you say, which is the asset of community value. Now, kind of, I'll be completely honest with you, and, you know, this is no secret, we're putting this out on the podcast, so, so this is not exactly inside information, but I've heard from multiple sources, you know, that really it was, it was the ACV that was extremely instrumental in getting the wheels in motion with with, with the council on, on their side of things. And it... it it kind of made it quite difficult for them to be inactive and not and not take a stance. Um, and of course, you know, on on the Scunthorpe board side of things as well, it's looking like Tahina Actor has has played a pivotal role. How, how important do you think that has been to getting this deal over the line? And and how happy are you that we have such an eclectic board now? Um, you asked me about five questions there. Yes. Numero right. um, uno. ACV, sorry for the jargon, folks. Um, yes, I, it was the it was the Iron Trust that back when when Peter Swan was still on, they got this legal declaration put on the ground that says it's an asset of community value. That meant that Peter Swan wouldn't wouldn't be able to sell it to turn it into something else, not as a going concern again. You know, um, for at least six months, it would give the supporters trust time to to raise funds and to and to try and buy it and that Swan couldn't sell it without their permission. Um, that was that was massive. That that declaration on the land was instrumental in setting the legal foundation, showing that it's important, that it is quite literally an asset of community land, that then was able to unlock streams of funding from from the town's fund, which was which was absolutely massive. Um, 
I, I think on the board mix, obviously our last two owners have you know, been one-man bands in different ways. Um, but again, in different ways, they've had good, time, good times and bad times. But when it's gone bad, it's gone really, really bad. Um, you know, I think back to the pre-Swan ownership when there was a wider mix of people on the board. It's it's insurance. You know, it's going to be more difficult now for one person to bring the whole ship down, um, which which I think is massive. Um, you also have situations where they're all bringing different different expertise to the table. Um, you know, you, you think of somebody like Tahina Atta, actually is a really good example of, you know, we, we all like to take the mickey out of lawyers as much as anybody else. But when it comes to a purchase like this, a process like this, funding applications, you know, good lawyers, particularly if you can get them on the cheap, are, are worth their weight in gold. And I've, I've got no doubt that it's a massive amount of hard work from, from everybody behind the scenes. So... Yeah, it, it was just a massive sign of relief because you can get close with stuff like this. And when you're dealing with somebody like Swan, you know, whether or not it's in laughing at the shell harness, I mean, fuck you, Peter, basically, or in changing the goalposts at the last minute, you know, you know how difficult he is to deal with. So when you actually are able to then get it completely over the line, that's no mean feat. And uh, yeah, everyone involved deserves a, a huge amount of credit there. Yeah, I know, really well summed up there. I think as well, uh, and the people I've been speaking to in and around the council, maybe on a lower level, but have indicated to me that we can't underestimate the importance that two groups within the council have played. So that's um, the people working on the economic regeneration project side of things, okay? And also the the solicitors working for, for the council. I'm told that those two groups have kind of worked extremely hard and under, as you can well assume, you know, quite, I suppose, rightly so, but under extreme pressure from a lot of different sides, including that from the club and, and from, from, from the council itself. So I, my personal view is a massive praise to, to those guys on, on kind of being involved in such a, in, in such a large capacity and enabling the club to get over the line with it. Again, we've talked about the Iron Trust very briefly there, um, but Marco, I just kind of wanted to, 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 you know, get your opinions on on the 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 vision of the trust at the moment because you know we've seen that the membership now has gone over eight hundred members and it, it seems like the the growth is kind of like exponential in a way. You know, it's the the numbers seem to be increasing week on week. How important do you think the trust will be going forward for the club? Yeah, I think ever since I've obviously started, I was only very young when I went to start watching Scunthorpe, but. I feel like not just for trust, obviously, we want the trust to do a great, but the fan groups in general, I know there's like lots of little ones. You've got the Irish Iron. Um, I know when Max was down in London, there's all, just all these little groups. I feel like as a collective, it's really important bringing people together and managing to bring issues up. Like the Iron Trust, like I said, with, with regarding memberships to see how far it's gone up, we're just so much stronger as a unit rather than indiv- individuals. And I think, I mean, they donated a lot of money, didn't Was it £5,000? £5,000 earlier yeah, to do stuff like so. that I mean which they had no need to do no one expected that from them but being in a position where we are all like I say as a unit it just enables us to do that like what they're doing as well as other groups um, obviously 
with the fundraiser, everybody came together. And I think that's just another sign of, again, yeah, coming together. And what they're doing is great. And Gareth, you know, we had the, the latest statement today. Of course, we had Lee's on Friday, which was followed up today by Michelle's, which was also supplemented with a, a TV interview that she did on ITV, which I thought was a really good piece, actually, kind of just talking over things that, I, you know, there's there's no new news on it. It was stuff we already kind of knew. But the statement today, there was a couple of bullet points from there, Gareth. There was obviously her thanking of the board, um, praising the fans, looking forward to, to kind of the fixture coming up. And, and kind of she expressed now that the players are playing with this freedom and, and, and encouraged us really to get behind Jimmy as much as we can. But yeah. I guess the thing I wanted to point out from that statement was someone that we've praised quite a lot in this pod and that we all kind of know. But she singled out James Moody and kind of his um, hard work that he's been doing over the past couple of years. It was really, really telling actually that, you know, I haven't got the exact quote in front of me, but she said words to the effect of the club could have basically gone to the wall, you know, without yeah. the likes of James Moody. So yeah. just a, you know, a moment of your time to, to give us your thoughts on kind of his his work. Well, no, I think he, well, it's obvious what he does. He does everything, doesn't he? Or, or he appears to. You know, he's just behind the scenes. You might not see him all the time, but he's always seems to work and always sorting something out. And why like he says without him, can't think who'd step up. Someone would have to step up, but he just tirelessly works. You know, you see him sometimes. It looks like he's not been to sleep for forty-eight hours. It looks worse than me sometimes, and that's saying something. But yeah, that you know, is, I just, that, re- that really is saying something, it is. isn't it? But I just, I just think, <laughs> I just think that you know, like I say, it, it deserves the praise. It deserves everything he gets. You know, um, I know people say about having statues made of people. Maybe they should make one of James Moody as well. You know. <laughs> Yeah, are you are you going to fund that from the the mass amount of money that you have hidden away? Yeah, yeah. Why not? Why not? Yeah. So that's an exclusive. Uh, Iron Army is going to fund. I'll buy a three D printer. Yes, stop man. Uh, so I guess you know we'll kind of move on now to the football, which is what we're here for <laughs> more than anything else. So the last two games I thought we could just talk about. So briefly, we just talk about that 1-0 win over Warrington a week on Saturday. Um, was it, it was a tough old game, wasn't it, Max? You know, it was... Carl Roberts was the difference in the end on, on, the, on I think it was the 53rd minute, but it wasn't a classic iron performance, I don't think. No, it, it wasn't. But also... I thought Warrington were all right, actually. I, you know, they they, they didn't look a they didn't look a bad side, and, and certainly, if I was a Warrington fan, I'd have been relatively encouraged by their performance. You know, from from the perspective of clubs like that, it's away games at some point don't define your season, and you know, and we have to be realistic. We're not going to score six goals every home game, and somebody like Cal Roberts is a great example. Actually, obviously, you know, we, we did miss him and his creativity, and also his finishing at, at times earlier on in the season. And you just hope that if it's either him or somebody else, when it, when a game is gritty, it's nil-nil, maybe it's one-all, that moment of quality, he stepped up and it was it was what we needed. I, I, I thought we did deserve the win, but, you know, it, again, it's it's been something that fans have pointed out earlier on in the season, that maybe we've not been quite winning ugly. You know, we've Mm. Lyle worked fabulously well and put many, many goals past them. Or we haven't won at all, actually. I, I thought the Warrington win was a good example of how we can win. Really. And, you know, if we keep doing that every week, I'll be as happy as anyone. Do you know what? You you made an exceptional point there, Max, where you said 
teams aren't going to be def- their seasons won't be defined on how they perform away at Scunthorpe. But to add on that, our season will be defined on whether we can get over the line in those tight games, whether we can turn those nil nils into one nils, whether we can turn those one nil downs into one ones. You know that is going to be what is going to be the difference at the end of the season, isn't it, Marco? Yeah, hundred <clears throat> percent. Like you said, the thing is with this year, the difference is with those nil nils or those one ones, we've got enough quality in our team now to have a bad day and still get a win. Um, and I think that's huge. Obviously, you mentioned Roberts coming back in the team. Um, I mean, which seems to have pushed Laura out, which I was really impressed with. Um, which is again mental in the National League North. I mean, I'd have loved, I'd have loved um, Jason Wall here last year in the National League um, to, for a player to, of that stature to now be on our bench. It's madness. But yeah, like you said, I mean, <clears throat> I was going to mention it as my idiots, but Warren and mentioned on their Twitter that uh, Fitzsimmons got man of a match. Uh, Seemed to think that got them three points. Uh, they were a massive fan of that. But yeah, so like you said, they they won't define other teams' games, but it, it, they them games are huge to us. They can define our season. The scrappy one nils and the away points. Picking up points away, I know away forms patchy at best. Um, but yeah, we seem to have turned the corner the other night. So let's hope that's a sign of things to come. Yeah, I think you're alluding there to our 5-1 demolition away at Hereford in, well, minus temperature conditions. Gareth, you obviously was one of the hardy souls that made the trip. Um, I mean, so, so many talking points from the game. Oh, can we start with the obvious one? Did you think the game would go ahead in, in light of the weather? No. Um, I took um, Rob down, a friend, and before we set off, we didn't know if it was going to be on or not. And obviously, it was freezing up here as well. Um, I'd walked around in my garden, not put the studs in, but the ground was rock hard. And um, and I just thought, you know, we're going to travel down. We'll get to around Worcester area. I'll be called off. But um, but no, it was all good. So, just... Sorry. So, are you saying what? that you conducted some kind yeah. of pitch inspection? <laughs> <laughs> garden. You know, hundreds of odd miles away. Why not? I said I didn't put my studs in. Not did. So, oh, Marco, what do you think he did? Oh, I can just imagine Gareth shouting up, Class, get me boots out. <laughs> get me boots. I'm just going to do pitch inspection in Donny. Uh, <laughs> just around no, was... at 7 o'clock. There's going to be tweets. He's like, yeah, good to go here in Donny. He was, he, was he was getting a local referee round and everything, you know, <laughs> making, making sure... Was that you? Was that you, Max? Are you the local <laughs> referee? Goals, James moved around. <laughs> very good right so you know we, we yeah, it was a 5-1 demolition wasn't it which you know we've won our last seven league games now but that 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 Hereford game I mean I think they could have scored in the first minute couldn't they Gareth they, they could have done yeah it was a mistake at the back and I don't know who it was who got the foot to it or blocked it but if that had not happened we're one nil down within the first minute and you're thinking to yourself it's freezing and already we're losing and then about a few minutes later, it happened again, a mistake. Fitzsimmons this time, well out of his area. And someone got the block in. And you're just thinking, it's a matter of time, you know. Um, could have been 2-0 down within 10 minutes. Well, you're right. But, it was a matter of time before that first goal came. But it did, of course, come to the eye on, on the 12th minute with Danny Whitehall finally putting away after, yeah. uh, well, it wasn't it wasn't a goal mouth scramble. But, of course, there was that that long-range shot leading up to the goal. Do you just want to talk us through, Gareth, what, what happened there? Um, I can't actually remember. All I remember is the keeper, 
knocking it away. And yeah. like towards Whitehall, who's probably about 15 yards out, and he's just um, put it back in to the net. And but that'll, yeah, that'll do for me. Yeah. Yeah. It'll do. I was real, real John Watson, that. Yeah. We scored, you know. And, and then we we doubled the lead just five minutes late with, with Michael Kelly um, yeah. heading out, sorry, heading home, slotting home. And in the blink of an eye before half time, it was 4 0 to two Butterfield. Butterfield, yeah. Two Butterfield uh, screamers. Yeah, one inside the box. What's all that about? Oh, yeah, he, he loves the tap in that what was, what was yeah. he doing that far forward? Oh, I, no idea. I think he must have skidded on the uh, ice. Took <laughs> <laughs> him into the box. So it's 4 0 half time. I have to ask, what on earth was going through your mind? Because we've struggled away from home this season, haven't we? Not, not struggled, 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 but yeah. we, haven't been, we haven't been that great. I think no, Max I think... kind of summed up our away form last week on the pod or the week before saying it was exceptionally mediocre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I, I think as well we're going into the game, Hereford had a good record at home, you know, and um, so I think, you know, we're thinking it was a very close game as fans. I was thinking it was a very close game. I thought it'd be one-all. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to lie. And then at half-time, it's 4-0, and you're just looking around thinking, how, you know, where, where's that come from? And I think the difference was we put our chances away. And we did look threatening going forward, though. Carl Roberts on the wing, doing lots of work, you know. And um, But, yeah, 4-0 at half-time. I would never have dreamt that. No. And the second half maybe wasn't as, as exciting. Of course, we did get the one goal, which has been credited to Carl Roberts, which is ridiculous. It was clearly an own goal, but anyway. Um, but one talking point from, from the second half, obviously, they did score, but the penalty save from Fitzsimmons, you know, another yeah. exceptional save from the lad. It was, yeah. And to be fair, I didn't think it was a penalty to start with from where I was stood. Um, I thought he got pushed first when he went and then went down with that push. But, you know, he got given it and Fitzsimmons made the save there. They were getting back into the game a little bit as well. I was feeling a bit nervous Mm -hmm. because what Scunthorpe had been like in the past. They just seemed to get deeper and deeper and deeper and invite that pressure. And I thought if this goes in, you know, there's however many minutes left, there's still plenty of time. And luckily, we, you know, he saved it, and it's a good save. And um, yeah, the rest is history. Yeah, Marco, how how good has Fitzsimmons been this season? <clears throat> a revelation. I mean, to say he's the best keeper in this league, I think it's unfair. I think he's probably the best keeper in the league above as well. Uh, honestly, I just to get somebody of his ilk, who, like Jimmy Dean was mentioning, obviously Chapman went out um, recently. He was saying how unlucky he's been that. The person in front of him is literally the goalkeeper that played in the, the playoff final last year in the league above. Mm. So to get someone of that quality in this division, I mean, it's no surprise that he has played like he has, but no one's in shock. But I didn't think he would just be this good. I mean, with the ball, his saves, obviously now adding a penalty save. Um, yeah, I mean, another contender. There's lots of them, but another contender for player of the season. No, he's he's been exceptional. And... You know, you mentioned it there, but Max, obviously we had the news at the back end of the week that Aaron Aaron Chapman has now left the club. Um, he, he signed with Retford, but although I'm kind of told it's looking likely that that will be a short-term deal whilst he gets fixed with, with uh, you know, a bigger club, to be honest with you. But I know, I think, again, from, from what I've heard, he, he desperately felt like he needed minutes minutes in him. Was it a surprise that he, that he left last week? Um, 
No, if I'm being honest, you know, we've all heard noises coming out of the club about trying to reduce the wage bill when they, where and when they can. And look, you know, we're, we're not in the championship anymore. If you're trying to run as cost-effective a squad as possible, then having a second-choice goalkeeper of the quality of Aaron Chapman um, is probably a, an obvious target. Um, obviously, he's departed by mutual consent, which says to me at least that him and the club have come to some sort of arrangement. Um, only wishing the best, really. Um, I, I'm pleased to hear that Retford's perhaps a short-term base for him because he deserves to be playing higher than that. I, I think he could certainly do a job at another National League North club. Um, but yeah, you know, we have seen the odd fringe player go out the door before that anyway. You know, I think it's, I think it's Tom Pugh, I think it's Henry Ferris. So Chapman fits that mould. Um, the only thing I would say now is for the, is please, 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 Ross Fitzsimmons, don't get injured. Um, yeah. You know, it's a fabulous basket, but all of our eggs are now in that basket. Um, so if he, put, if he keeps putting in performances like he has so far this season, Marco's right. He's a he's very much a candidate for player of the season in my book. Yeah, I've got. I think the club will look to bring someone in, and I think that'll be quite quite soon, to be honest with you. But of course, it's not going to be of of the caliber that you know. Chat. It is unlikely that we're going to bring in someone of the caliber of Chapman. Let, let's be completely honest, as you say, with with the wage bill being what it is, and and kind of the the eyes that are on the wage bill at the moment from the board. It is unlikely that we're going to get a player. With a with a kind of that caliber of, of Chapman really, but it is important that they bring someone in. I think Chapman might feel not aggrieved but disappointed that he didn't at least get any of the cup games. Um, I, th- I think that might have been a, a big factor to be honest with you. But the way finances have been this season, we've had to win those cup matches. Of course, we went out the FA Cup at the first the first uh, the first game, but you know this FA Trophy. Especially, especially with the game, you know, t- today when this podcast goes out, the, the game tonight against Solihull Mars, we really have to win, don't we, and get and get a cup run going. I think for the finances, anyone, anyone, jump in there. Yes. <laughs> well said, Garrett. Well said. No, no, I think you know, I think you're right. We do have to get a cup run going, and I think it's not going to take away from the league either. I think they'll complement each other. I don't think we need to worry about one or the other. I think we can go for both, and um, but yeah, it'll be a tough game tomorrow. Obviously, you know they're doing quite well up in national league. I think the fourth are they? Yeah, um, they are fourth. But it's it's an interesting thing actually. What what's been going on at Solihull? So they had an exceptional start to the season. So Solihull Moors went fourteen games unbeaten at the start of the season, which is just an incredible run. But they've actually lost five of the last eight league fixtures, which has kind of dropped them down to eighth. Now, if you look at the the National League table, you'll see that Chesterfield are absolutely running away with the league. And then below Chesterfield, there's kind of a pack of teams who are together and, and Solihull are very much in that pack. Now, although they had such a good start, they did lose 6-1 uh, against Altrincham recently. And, you know... I kind of think it'd be interesting to see what they do with their keeper situation because obviously with them conceding six goals and with it being a cup game, the question will be, will they stick with Sam Hornby in goal, who's actually on loan from Colchester, or will they look to the second choice? And if they do look to the second choice, 
does that bring us into the game a bit more? You know, it, all these questions, of course, due to be answered. But, Michael, what's kind of your vibe going into the game? Do you think Solihull might might field a weakened team? I don't think we will. Like, uh, like Gareth just said, that it feels like our cup run will complement our season. I feel like they'll probably be thinking the same. Um, I do think tomorrow's huge. Uh, I, I think if we can get a result against the fourth-place team in the National League, then... I do think we can really progress in this tournament. I think, um, to be fair, I'm actually quite looking forward to it because I feel like we know we've been good and we know, obviously, we've got the good side. But it'd be quite good to see how good we are and to see mm-hmm. against a, a team in the division above. Um, <clears throat> I said to my friend who's an Oldham fan and we was joking about who were going to get him a draw and stuff. And I said, I would genuinely fancy, barring Chesterfield, anybody out of that division at home. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think at home, if we're on the front foot, there's no one we should be fearing in that division. Um, so, yeah, let, let, let's see. I think it's it's a good draw at home against what I wanted. I wanted a good side to see what how good we are. So, let's see. Yeah, we're in tomorrow and uh, I'll book my Premier in for Wembley. <laughs> Very good. And Gareth, I guess when the draw was made, I'm sure your mind went to the place where mine did, which was thinking of the last time Solihull Moors came to Lanford Park and mm. when we were 3-0 up and kind of cruising to victory and it all collapsed, didn't it, under Keith Hill that day? It did, yeah. Like you say, we're 3-0 up. Joe Nuttall scored twice and um, Colin Daniel. And then, yeah, it's like we're cruising. And then all of a sudden, we had a mad two minutes where we conceded two goals towards the end of the half and it's 3-2. And you just, as a fan, I think you knew what was going to happen in the second half. You know, it happens so many times in other games where we just collapsed, basically. Yeah. And then, yeah, we, we held on till was it the last five minutes and then conceded two again. So, yeah. hopefully, you know, with um, the team that we've got, and like Marco said, you know, we'll be able to see where we're at with the team, basically playing play a team that are higher up for me. You know, we've got better players, I think, and um, we can see what we're going to do with them. You know, I think it'll be a good game and I think we'll, we will get something from it. You know, we're at home and I think we do really well at home. And the crowd, I'm not going to say it's really a massive crowd, but since we've had the news that the ground's ours now as well, it might bring a few more out. And um, yeah, they need to get behind the team. Yeah, no, I quite agree. I think they've got, I, I can't see anything other than them really going for the game. They've got a well thought of manager in, in Andy Wink, a young manager, only 39 years of age. And of course, he managed Banbury for the last three seasons. He got them promoted into the National League North and they had a good FA Cup run as well. And of course, you know, managed to, he managed to get Banbury finishing 17th in the National League North last season, which obviously got him his, his, his move up to, to Solly Omar. So, He's a well-thought-of manager. He's kind of an up-and-coming manager. And it'd be interesting for me, Max, to see how Jimmy Dean does against a manager of a similar ilk, you know, kind of like an up-and-coming, someone who's done it at the lower levels and and he's really kind of progressing now, moving up towards getting a job in, in the Football League. Yeah, and, and Marco is right. You know, it is a, it will be a good test. Um, I'll, I'll be as honest, I, I'm not as optimistic as, as Gareth and Marco are. Um, Solihull are fourth in the National League for a reason. And I, I think you're right, Barry, in terms of uh, be taking this game very, very seriously. I, I, I appreciate they're not in a great run of form, but actually that's a perfect example of, of why you go away to somewhere like Scunthorpe and, and really be at it. Um I, I think they'll stick with the first choice goalkeeper. He's not going to be cup tied because Colchester in the two. It's you know 
it's it will be an interesting game, definitely. Certainly, in terms of how we approach it, will we try and get on the front foot? Will we, um, you know, maybe sit a little bit more defensively than we've been used to in in league games at home this season, or might it be one of them games where sort of the first twenty minutes is a bit cagey? You know, both sides are trying to feed each other out, sort of, and then decide how they're going to approach the rest of the game. Um, look, we'll see. I, I hope to be proved wrong, but I am surprised that Scunny are the bookies' favourites by quite how far we are. Yeah, I, I think nearly two to one on a Soddy Hull win, given their twenty places above us in the league. Pyramid is a good price. So if we get anything out of the game, or even if we could take it to extra time, you know, with the division below them for a reason, I'd be I'd be very pleased with a good performance. Yeah, but. With you know, without trying to play devil's advocate, they are coming off a terrible run of form. Not only did they ship six goals, like I say, they have con- they have lost five of the last eight league games. You know, but like you say, that that might only add fuel to the fire because they need to get a cup run going or or something like that. But I've kind of been looking at their social media feeds today, looking at what their fans have been saying, and it looks, from what I can tell, that they like to play the modern three-five-two system. So again, in my mind, Gareth, it'd be interesting to see what Jimmy does with that because I know he's not really that much of a tinker man we seem to play one formation away from home and one formation at home that's typically what I've observed this season so again I don't know I'd just be interested to see if Jimmy approaches this game any different with it being you know probably the first time this season that we've come up against a team that should beat us not that could or might beat us but a team that probably should beat us because they're a higher team in a better division, you know. Yeah, they they are, but I don't think we need to be changing things at home. You know, I think we should stick to what we're doing. And, you know, if, if anything, they need to, you know, hopefully Solihull needs to change their system, you know, to cope with us. But I don't think we need to be changing anything. I think we just keep doing what we're doing because, you know, if we start tinkering around changing things, for me, it's detrimental, you know, mm-hmm. in the long run. You know, I think we stick to a, a formula that's working, and it is working, you know, there's no two ways about it at home. And, um, yeah, I think we stick to it, you know. And if we have to grind that result out, we grind that result out. But one thing I will say is that the last three games that they have lost, they've scored late on. I think the 85th, 88th and 91st or something like that. Anyway, maybe not in that order. But so, you know, they've got goals. And so hopefully when it comes to the last five minutes, we're one or two up. Well, two up at least. <laughs> so, so you're predicting late goals from Solihull? Well, yeah, that's they're obviously you know play to the end, you know, looking yeah. for those goals. So, so I'm not saying they're going to score, but the last three games they have scored late on, so that's something to be wary of, you know. Yeah, no, perfectly summed up. And Marco, kind of looking a bit further ahead, then um, we'll just quickly preview the the game after that. So, we're away at Blythe on Tuesday. I presume all four of us are probably going up for that one. Yeah, it's my first away game of the season. Goodness me. Uh, yeah, and to be fair, this Christmas period, um, I'm able to do a couple, so I'm quite happy. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's a new ground for, I'm sure, pretty much all of us. Um, I know very little. Obviously, we were meant to play them a few weeks back um, with a frozen pitch. <laughs> um, I know there's a lot of rumours that they had a lot of injuries, but I, I mean, I've got, a, I've got a friend who was up there and apparently was absolutely Baltic. So I sure. think it was it was waterlogged rather than frozen, wasn't it? Waterlogged, sorry, yeah. But apparently it was absolutely awful. So I know the pictures didn't really 
look too bad, but mm. I mean, we can only hope we've not done it purposely. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, there's no bad blood. Um, and yeah, it's my first one, so I'm excited. Like I say, I, don't, I know very little about Blythe. I've not done my uh, my research. Okay, well, I can tell you they currently sit 14 <laughs> in the National League North. And the form is kind of, well, they haven't really got form. It's not bad, it's not good, it's it's somewhere in between. They've drawn, <laughs> lost and won. <laughs> Sorry? Yeah, it's, it's the form. That'll be why they're 14. Of a team in 14th, exactly. So the last three games they've drawn, lost and won. Did you get a good win, really, uh, away against Rushall in the, in the last game, which I think they'd be fairly happy with that. But then... They did lose at home to Peterborough Sports the game before that. So, again, you don't know what you'll get, I, I think, with Blythe. It could be we could get a team that get behind the ball, make it defensively quite tough for us. You know, I just don't know, Gareth, because I can't read anything into the form table. Well, if you don't know, I don't know. <laughs> but, no, I think, I think once again, you know, we, we, go to, we go to grounds teams and they're up for it because it's going to throw up. You know, so there's that extra bit of effort. It's like so, Kings Lynn. You know, the, when we played Kings Lynn, they beat us quite comprehensively. And I think they've done rubbish since. So they seem yeah. to put everything into that one game. And it's like, you know, yeah. yeah. And, and Kings Lynn did do an absolute job on us. I don't, yeah. I don't mean like they got men behind the ball and made it difficult. Oh, I no. mean, they played us off the park. They absolutely yeah. went about us. Yeah. All right. So. We'll move on then to our next section, which is the Iron Stats of the Week. This is provided by Iron Stats on X. Now, I didn't bother um, getting in contact with him this week because I know he's been exceptionally busy, but I've scoured through his X page just to pull a few stats off for you guys. So I'll start with the first one, which is that the Iron have scored five or more goals in three different games this season. Now, that's the first time this has happened since 1984-1985. Okay, they've also scored four or more goals on five occasions for the first time since 1995-1996. Saturday's win at Hereford saw the Iron score four goals in the first half of the game for the first time since October 2016, which was a 4-1 win against Swindon. And it was the first time it's happened away, believe it or not, since we beat Torquay 8-1 in October 1995. Now, Obviously, I didn't go to that game. I'd be very surprised if Max did. But Gareth, do you have any kind of memories of of, I, of that game or around that time and how that one was received? Any memories? I have memories from last week. Um, <laughs> well, I was in. I, I can tell you, I was in Swansea when we played Turkey and beat them eight one. Did you get lost? That's as much as I can tell you. Well, they sent South Coast, didn't they? I just went to South Wales. <laughs> but no, yeah, I no. think I, it's one of these that. famous victories. Yeah, it's the, it's the joint, it's the joint highest ever Scunthorpe league win. Um, I, I'm glad it was that talky game because that was my guess in the pub after the game when was people it? were going. Oh, when was the last time we did that? Um, yeah. my, my dad always has very bittersweet memories of that game because he was dead keen. He was dead keen to go, um, but his best mate talked him out of it. Don't oh, do that. Do that. It's, it's a long way we get beat. So he even picked up his shift at work um, at, at, uh, at McDonald's, and then lo and behold, what do you mean we've won eight one? You know, before, <laughs> before the days when you could follow it, on, you know, on on Twitter and, and things like that. So, um, so what you're saying yeah. is he got home, checked CFAX, and almost <laughs> put the remote through the telly. 
I, I think so. Like, he's never really forgiven Twan since. But, um, you know, to any Iron fan who um, was at both, and I know there will be some, that's a great effort. Yeah. And I don't think there were many fans went to that talk he gave. You'll have to remind me, Max, but the old commentator on Humberside, was his name Shep? Do you remember him? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, so, so I think... My dad always talks about the commentary from that day. It was absolutely legendary. You know, it said something to the effect of, and the Scunthorpe fans are going absolutely wild. There's 24. Like, there was barely <laughs> anyone went. You know, it's like a handful it's, it's of people. Classic, it's a classic video on, on YouTube. And in fairness to Chef, you know, particularly like great shot of all people, Alan Mill scoring at the back post. Yeah. And they do genuinely go wild. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a fair trip. So, whoever went, that's great support. Yeah, so just, I think, one more stat. It's the first time the Iron have scored five goals away from home since December 2020, which was the 5-2 win at Harrogate. And actually, it's the first time we've done it away in front of fans since August 2012. Do you remember what game that might be, Max? August 2012. Uh, yeah, it was um, It was the Derby game in the Cup. It, it was oh, indeed. Be, be still my beating heart. You're a weird guy, aren't you? <laughs> I just really liked that Derby game. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, it was okay. There was no need to do whatever you just did there. But anyway. <laughs> um, so I think we'll move on to the quiz. Now, I'm handing the reins over to Max this week, mainly because I couldn't be bothered. So yeah, it's as simple as that. I'm more than happy to pick up. But before we do, Andy, can, can you stand up? Can we have a look at your jumper? Uh, okay, yeah, sure. Is he wearing trousers? <laughs> oh, it's the Roy Keane one. That's his job. That's his job. Sorry. Yeah, so it says, it says, praising Santa for delivering presents. That's his job. Uh, and it's a picture so of... If you, win, if you win the quiz, Barra, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start shouting, that's his job. That's your job. Right. Thank you. So we've got, we've, we've got two questions. Um, for each of you, all focused on all focused on Scunny, um, and I'm going to go to Marco first oh. for no reason. Um, question one, Marco: What date are Andy and Gareth manning the iron stall at St John's Market in Scunthorpe? No cheating. <laughs> Don't reach for your phone. <laughs> How can I reach my phone? I do need need a calendar, though, because I know it's Thursday and I know it's between the 20th and the 21st. And I'm going to go the 20th. Oh, you got it wrong. It's the 21st. (laughs) You wrote the tweet earlier, you dingo. Yeah, I'm a wrong account. We're so unprepared. This is why we'll never be the premier podcast. <laughs> this is why we're not shortlisted for awards, guys. Yeah. Oh, well, there's, there's certain awards for us, but it's not for good podcasts. Well, <laughs> unlucky, but for the record, as I'm sure you may may or may not have seen on um, the, the podcast Twitter, Strike X, um, Andy, and, um, Andy and Gareth are very manfully going to be... Uh, Looking after the uh, Scunthorpe United stall at the, at the market in the centre of Scunny. So if you pass in on the 21st of December, uh, do go and say hello. Will, will you be passing, Max? Are you, you going to pop in and say hello? 
Well, no, because as you well know, I'm on holiday in Malta. Um, so, good luck. Um, that does mean I will sadly miss the Buxton game as well. So, hopefully, we'll stick for, uh, we'll win, a, you know, we'll stick for a five pass. Um, for that impertinence, Mr. Barraclough, um, Gareth is next. <laughs> so, obviously, Gareth, you, uh, you, you drove down to uh, Stony Hereford at, at the weekend. Um, at 174 miles from Bamford Park, Hereford is the island's longest away trip of this season. At a grand total of 173 miles, what is our second longest away trip? It's got to be Gloucester. Oh, give the man a biscuit. I, well done. Good answer. I thought, I thought Gloucester was further by like 0.2 or something. Okay, so on, on Apple Maps on my phone, Stadium to stadium. Yep, stadium stadium to stadium. Um, because whilst Gloucester is further south, Hereford's yeah, yeah. west and it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, yeah. But it, Hereford beat Gloucester very narrowly. Um, so Gareth has a point. Well done, Iron Army. Thank you. Now then, Mr. Mr. Barrackoff. Obviously, the Iron are um, top. Of the uh, the national league table, we're not used to looking towards the top end of divisions. So um, let's flip the league table upside down. Who are currently bottom of the national league north? Okay, I think it's Bishop Stortford. Oh, correct. Great answer. Well done. Well done. So I'm, listen, listen, guys. Um, I, I'm I'm all over this league. <laughs> <laughs> On the first. One for Andy, one for Gareth. Nil plus so far for Marco. So let's go to uh, back to you first, Marco. See if we can call it back to one or not. Um, question two. Who scored the Irons' first goal this season? Third. First. Not first. Yeah. That was the first game. Oh, Tamworth away. Um... Was it time away? I'm going Danny Whitehall. It was an own goal, wasn't it? It was yeah. an own goal by defender Matthias Curley. I'm changing um, teams. I'm off to get my Man City shirt. <laughs> so I'm sorry that that does mean you're eliminated. Uh, you're unlucky because Whitehall did score that afternoon. He scored the Irons. He scored the Irons winner. Um, well, no. Sorry. So, Gareth, <laughs> can you get uh, can you get yourself back in front? Probably not. Ah, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're at the game in question I'm about to ask, which was who scored the Irons' final goal of last season? Last season. Ooh. Uh, Barry's nodding. He thinks he knows. I think I do. You was at the game. Gareth was at that game. Would have been at home. Uh, I just can't. I'll I'll say Joe not all, but I know it's not. I'm afraid it's not. I'm going to go to Mark. You don't get any points for this, Mark. I think get get a bit of kudos. Do you think it is? Can't be not all because it's scored. Um... <laughs> 
particularly as we sold him before the end of the season. He he saved Scum Fox. I won't have a bad word yeah. on it all. Unless it's about his football ability, then it's funny. Um, it was, I think, oh, it was older my last home game. I don't like it when yours look blank. I'm going to go. I'm reaching out of limit here. I'm calling Daniel. No. Okay. So, Sarah, who scored the Iron's last goal of last season? I'm not 100% sure, but I think it might be Danny Elliott. Correct. It's Danny Elliott away at Dorking. Yeah. Oh. Dorking, of course. Yeah. I, I knew it was away. Pardon? I believe you were in that game, Gareth. I, I was, yes, I was. Yes. Yes. Right then, Barry. This so is this to win your... it? This is, this is to win it. I do have a tiebreaker for you and Gareth if you were. Okay. It, right? Who scored the Irons' first goal last season? Last season? Yeah. Okay. Oh, God, it was either Andy Boyce or Jacob Butterfield against Yeovil, and I just don't know who it was. Uh, I'm going to go... It was on telly. I know, it was, like I said, it was one of those two. I'm going to go with Andy Boyce. Correct! Yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh. So, interesting fact about Andy Boyce, he's actually scored on both of his Scunthorpe United debuts. It's not your quiz, Barry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good start. I'm just playing <laughs> gold as well. Yeah. Um, and he has he, played I in goal for this. He's also played in goal for Eastley. Oh, mm, yeah, I think it was Eastley. Yeah. Um. So, the tiebreaker question: Had you got that wrong, Barrow? Just for uh, extra kudos for anybody. Which was, who scored what is currently the Irons' last ever goal in the football league? Okay, that's a good question. Sure, I'd ever get this. Does anyone else know? Is the clue what game it was? It was the last game of the season before last. Um, let me just think. Oh, it's a Hartley Paul. Oh, oh, uh, Cam Wilson. Correct. From a fellow Gooligan to another. Yeah, that uh, if you'd not said the game, I don't think I've got. I'd have got it. I was in goal today. Lovely place, <laughs> like Chernobyl. No, I'm out. I have a bad word said about Chernobyl. It's not fair, man. <laughs> Very good. Right. So, is, does that conclude the quiz? quiz? Yeah. Well done, chaps. Barry. Well done. Yeah, well done. So, what do I win? <laughs> is this one of uh, Marco's imaginary prizes, like for the FPL? <laughs> You've won this slice of Terry's chocolate orange, which I'm going to send to you through the magic of Zoom. You know, Jacob Butterfield, mate. Indeed. So, Michael, I don't want to put you on the spot. Are you able to give us an update on the FPL? I can give us an update on the FPL, but as we are currently podding, podcasting... Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Yeah. so We're we're mid-game week, aren't we? Yeah. So, obviously, Tottenham are playing. We're actually, uh, I think, winning 1-0 last I checked. So, if anybody's got any Tottenham players... The Spurs currently winning 1-0. Everton, Newcastle still 0-0. Uh, I know 
for quite a few people now that you've got Newcastle attackers and stuff, so that could actually have a big impact. Uh, at the time of recording, he's been top for a long time. Jack Christa um, is still at the top. Uh, he's on 909. He's got a 40-point gap um, as we were doing this. So, yeah, fair play, Jack. Uh, later on this week, it's, been, it's probably been the lowest-scoring week of the season. Obviously, with Man City slipping up yesterday, um, Liverpool only winning 2-0. Uh, it's not been many points at all this, season, this week. So, if you've managed to get anything over 40, really, you've done quite well this week. Uh, regarding us guys... I've snuck into the top 50, which I'm very proud of. Um, I don't know if Gareth wants to mention. I'm just saving myself, second half of the season. Saving yourself? What, you're an 18-year-old girl? <laughs> oh, God. No. So, oh, my God, I don't know what to say. God, it's like an American movie, isn't it? But yeah, um, yeah. So we're all you're above Dylan in the table. That's the main thing. Yeah. So everybody, you guys, I won't mention where you have dropped. But like I said, it's it's it depends on tonight. It's been a really weird game week. Um, so yeah, it will be an update. I'll put an update on Facebook tomorrow on uh, on the fans group. I'm sure all our listeners are on there and on our socials. So, but yeah, we're doing okay. But I have gone into the top fifty and I'm top of the pod now, which is all that. So we've got... A, sorry, sorry. Go on, Marco. No, that's everything. That's me done. We've got a couple of talking points, uh, you know, we put out earlier to any Iron fans to give us some kind of suggestions. So a Twitter account called Iron, he said on X earlier, why on earth has the Farsley game been moved to a 1pm kickoff on Boxing Day due to policing when the away game, just a few days later, isn't even segregated? Who wants to kick me off, Gareth? You got any, uh, any opinions on this? Um... They want to be back for TV. Something I don't. I've, no, I don't know. I just think. Well, I don't, I don't know. I've got no opinions on it. It's a one o'clock kickoff. Whatever I say or do, anyway, it's not going to change that, is it? So it's one o'clock. Get on with it. I was so disappointed with it, though. I'm not going to lie. Like, and I know what the 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 counter argument will be. It'll be to do with Humberside policing on the day because I think Hull are playing at home. But that's a load of old tosh because I don't think any of those police will be going from Scunthorpe to Hull to police that event because we have the same police at every every game, don't we? It's always the same scunny lot that like we don't have people come over from Hull and I'm fairly certain people from Scunthorpe don't go over to Hull to police it. Although I might be wrong, I might be getting a letter or an email tomorrow off the commissioner to tell me I'm an absolute wally, but I highly doubt it. Won't be your first one. No, no, it wouldn't. <laughs> but better than the email that Max got there. Anyway, no, too fast, too fast. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> Damo um, asked us about Fitzsimmons' his form lately, but of course we've already, you know, we've already touched on that. And again, he wanted to give us a shout out to the Iron Trust. And again, we've done that. But again, just one more time, Max, I'll come to you for a bit of praise. Just heap a bit of praise on the Iron Trust for us. Yeah, massive, ma- massive effort, um, particularly as, you know, there was no one big moment where it sort of it all dropped in. It was all quite incremental, you know, all quite unheralded for a, for a long period of time and declaring it as an asset of community value. Um, I mean, definitely pissed one off. So on that basis, it was worth doing just for that. Um, but 
it was also instrumental in, in helping them get the ground back. So, I, I, you know, I massively applaud all the work that, that John and Tony and, you know, the, the whole team there have uh, done really. It's, um, yeah, it's not gone unnoticed and, and quite rightly so. And I guess the other thing to talk about is away from Scunthorpe, but, you know, it's the Euros next year in Germany and all four of us will be will be heading out there next year. And we do hope to do a very special podcast from from Germany next year for the Oro. So we'll we'll keep you updated on that. But I have a feeling it might presumably, a very... Mar- presumably Marco will be doing it in his Italy shirt and then a true yeah. Italian switch side halfway through. Ooh. Oh, oh dear. Oh, good grief. Oh, that doesn't work with football. <laughs> no, we've well, never tried it. So I'm sure you lads will find a way. I think I feel like <laughs> I will be. Um, in the hell? I'll be very quiet in uh, within the national football now. I think it's. I think all the pressure is on England um, and South. You, yeah, you would say that. Oh, you would no, say I that. mean, I you're the reigning champions, guys. Take, uh, yeah, but I mean, well, two things. I know, obviously, there's not many Italians listening to this podcast, so I'm, I'm on my own here. But England will never have an easier route or an easier final than they did in the Euros. And if Mancini was in charge of Italy, you'd have a European Cup now. If, if Mancini, Mancini was, was in charge of England, sorry, you'd have a European Cup. 100%. You'll, but with also, on the side note, just to sort of even it up, I don't think anybody in the world maybe France, that's it, has a, a squad close to England on paper. We're good, aren't we? Really good. I, I mean, Bellingham... I, 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 think, I, I think you are right about France. Um, I know they didn't have a great Euros last time out, but, you know, you, you look at their midfielders, you, you look at the likes of Tumani, you look at the likes of Camavinga, everybody knows what Mbappe's like when he, when he turns up. I mean, you know, still scored, I know they lost to Argentina, but he's still scored a hat-trick. Um, Look, we'll, we'll see the way that the tournament goes. I'm still not convinced that England are potential winners, but they're, they're in with a shout. No yeah. question about I mean, it. The thing is, with Italy, obviously, I mean, we're not expected to do anything. Uh, I almost think that plays into our hands because, I mean, we've, like I said, like Euros, our team, our squad was awful. I mean, mm. the, the defenders were ageing. Uh, we've done well at previous tournaments with bad teams. Uh, you can never write the Italians off a tournament in a one-off game. Uh, you just can't. And it's same. For, obviously, we've got a tough group with Spain. Uh, I'd much rather be in England's group. But, yeah, you never know in a tournament. I know France's group isn't great, um, but you'd imagine they'll get through easy. Uh, who's in the group of death? What was it? Yeah, so it's Netherlands, Croatia. you, isn't it? Isn't it you? No, we've well, got. Yeah, I mean, it, dep- it depends. Depends which one you you would qualify as the group. Of I, death, really. I, I'm not too worried about our group at all. I think we beat Albania. Uh, Spain's a free hit. It's a toss of a coin. I think we we probably breeze past Croatia. I think Croatia are like what Italy were, where they're superstars like AG with us with Totti and Del Piero, mm. Ben Modric. And I think they're on the way out. Obviously, still very good players but I don't think they're good enough to be dragging the sides through games like they have been in recent years so, so the two so, so strong the other strong group is, is France the Netherlands Austria and playoff winner A which right now looks like it'll be either Poland or Wales you know that'll be a tough group um, 
God, I hope he's way off. I, I would say, <laughs> I, I would say, you look at the the format of these tournaments. You know, you if you finish third, you've got a forty out of six chance of getting out of the group. You know, only eight of the twenty four teams in total across the tournament don't get out of the group. You, you do have to be a bit rubbish to get, to get out of the group. Um, the only thing I would say from an England perspective is that I think it, they will want to win, they should, but they will want to win the group. Because correct me if I'm wrong, Barry, but I believe that if England were to finish second in the group, they get the winner of the group of death, which is group C. Correct. So, yeah. You know, the last, our last 16 game against France, well, it put hairs on your chest. It's, it's over, isn't it? You know, let's let's be right. <laughs> Sean. Uh, do you not fancy Mbappe running at Harry Maguire? No, mate. And <laughs> last time the greatest striker in the world took a penalty against France, it didn't end well either. So I'm good for uh, that. The only, thing I would say, the only thing I would say about France is that England were the only side of the last World Cup to genuinely keep Mbappe quiet. Yeah, no, I know that wasn't. I know that wasn't any consolation because came with the penalty and Giroud. I'm gonna say when? I when think. do we get the trophy for that? Is it? Yeah, in the post? Well, like says there, I do. I do feel like Kyle Walker probably is one of the only people that plays in world football who is quick enough, a and good enough at right back to keep Mbappe quiet. Um, I feel like that's his perfect role. Um, but yeah, just want to be again. But yeah, coming back to the Euros, I'm very excited. I've never been to one. I know Max has been to a few. Uh, I went to a game when it was in England, but I've never actually been I was going to say, yeah, yeah, you did, because I thought you were ticket for that. Yeah, in England. <laughs> I've never been abroad to one. <laughs> Didn't you also buy a dodgy ticket, Marco? Uh, yes. <laughs> you did. And, and, and then old Max failed him out. Max did, did me a favour. <laughs> I sent that many abusive messages to the guy who uh, scammed me. Scammed you. He yeah. bought me, and then I found another way to contact him, and he messaged me asking if I could please stop. <laughs> but yes mate send me my money back what I was sending him if he wanted to, the thing is what I sent him could get me into a lot of trouble but I could get did you get your money back no no scumbag scumbag be careful right. if you're going to the Gar- Europe be careful Gareth before we close um, it's been a bit of a mad week with the Premier League did you watch any of the women's <laughs> international football in the week well, I, watched, I did watch the women's actually yes I did saw the England game and um, agonising for them. Yeah, it was tough, that, wasn't it? They played so well. But yeah, no, they did. They did, but yeah. Should never have been in that position, though, needing to put seven past Scotland on that last game. But it was such a weird position for Scotland as well, because the only chance that they had of having any players qualify for the Olympics was by getting absolutely decimated by England. Because... If like if they'd won, drawn, or narrowly lost, they'd have had no chance. The only the only chance they stood was if England absolutely battered them, which they did. But for a ninety fourth minute Dutch goal, some Scottish players would be going to the Olympics. Absolutely mental. Uh, I really need to have a look at that. Yeah, I don't watch a lot of women's football. So Surprises me that really. Just just so is it because if because they've set the rules up of women's international football that if you if you top your nation's league group, you qualify for the Olympics in, in France next summer. But because you can't have just England, Scotland or Wales qualify for the Olympics, it would have been Team GB. So, yeah, it, England, it was a bit of a England were the nominated, England were the nominated yeah. team, obviously. Yeah. For... Well, with, so with regarding Scotland, so you said 
like as I said, I don't know, Sam. This is just if they had of if England had have gone through, how many? Obviously, I know England had one of the top teams in the world. How many Scotland players would realistically have got into that Great Britain squad? Honestly, two were a push. Right. Okay. Yeah. Is is it just Scotland or do Wales have a good team? Ireland. Um, I'm not just saying this. England are right. ahead and shoulders. Right. Right. Ireland. Ireland's not part of Team GB. Yeah. Not, Did you just say Ireland? Ireland? Jesus. <laughs> this, this, this is for a different podcast. Um, I think he means Northern Ireland. Yeah. But again, Ireland, important sorry. to differentiate between the two. And <laughs> no, look, honestly, England are head and shoulders above the other home nations. Yeah, see, I wouldn't, I'm not, I'm not I just saying that. They, yeah. they, they clearly are, you know, and, and by a long, long way. But politically, even even though that is the case, and even though really on paper... England should fill 11 places. If Team GB had qualified for the Olympics, they never would have. Like, they just wouldn't have because of political issues and because right. of trying to make it a bit fairer and some other bullshit. It just wouldn't have been filled with... No, but it's true, though, isn't it? Yeah, you no, should pick you, your you... best players that are eligible, yeah, but they wouldn't have. There would have been There would have been some Scottish, some Welsh... And, and it, was, it was Vegan who was would have been manager. I remember hearing that on radio. Is that right? Vegan? Vegan. <laughs> Beekman, yes. Beekman, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is correct. Yeah. See, I'm all, I'm all up to date. Yeah, you, you're so woke, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> right, is that it for today then, boys? I think so. Yeah. Until tomorrow night. Well, not or tonight, yeah. when this gets put out. Yeah. Definitely tonight. Right. Tonight. I'll see you tonight, lads. Jesus. And on that, it's only I an hour. Until next time.